agree with Thomas. I want to thank you for your generosity, many of you that um, expressed through cards and, and some gifts. And you are very kind people. I want to, Cindy and I really want to thank you. We do love you. I also want you to keep in prayer. Learned that uh, November 10th at Virginia High, you know, they have the special assemblies. They're having a guy that was part of an Ohio State, uh, Georgia national football champion for college. And he travels around the country now. And he, you know, talks about being responsible, living a good life and all of that. But uh, he loves Jesus. And the point is that after the school assembly at night, he invites the students to come to a neutral place and shares the gospel. It's basically an evangelist. And he wants to partner with churches that are around Virginia High. And so uh, we want to be a part of that. Let me know, maybe some of the youth team might want to show up at it too. We want to reach out because he said, you know, we want youth to come to Christ, but we also want them to have a church to plug into that loves the Lord. So I think it's a great opportunity for us as well just to be part of what God's up to because we're all in this thing together. No matter the particular fellowship of the church, we all belong to Christ. And we want to give them a place to love Jesus too. So be in prayer about that. That's November 10th is when that occurs. Uh, so uh, Our message today as we continue on in First Peter. We're going to look at the first 12 verses of First Peter. It's hope through suffering. So I encourage you to open up your text as we look at First Peter chapter 1 and read those first 12 verses of that first chapter. When you find that, if you will stand in our God's honor as I read aloud. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who preached the gospel to you. By the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for the glorious hope that you provide in Jesus Christ. We live in a world, Father, where hope sometimes seems distant, scarce. And yet, Father, your word proclaims that there is hope in your Son, in Christ. And and I pray this morning as we look at your word, as we look at these six benefits that come through your hope, Father, I, I pray that you might speak to our hearts and uh, Lord, that we might just leak Jesus, that others might hear about the hope. Because it's needed today, Lord. So thank you for your word. And Father, unless you speak, there's nothing to say. Amen. So I continue to ask your spirit to be free to move among us. Father, as we've sung, we've sung to you. As we've given, we've given to you. As we've prayed, we've prayed to you. And as we have the opening of your word, Father, we pray. It says in Psalm 119 that... There may be the unfolding of your word because your word gives light to the simple. Amen. So unfold your word to us, Master. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The Bible says in Proverbs seventeen seventeen that a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. We know what it's like to have struggle. We, we know what that's about. And, uh, you know, we could go through examples here of different struggles people are having. As you look in this particular scripture, Peter, as he's talking to the church, he's not talking just to people who are meeting together in a building. Why? Because it was too dangerous to meet together in a building. This was like the ancient ISIS stuff that we're seeing now. Christians' lives were in danger The Roman Empire was upset with Christians and they were being blamed for the fires that burnt down Rome and and, uh, their lives were in jeopardy and they were being scattered. They were being attacked. And so as Paul writes, he says to God's elect, that's the ones that were handpicked by the living God. They're strangers in the world. Hey, the world does not understand. Their hope does not understand what they're about. Because we're just a little bit odd. You know, as it says in the scriptures, a peculiar people. It says they're scattered. And then you list these areas where they're scattered. These different areas. That they've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. For the obedience to Jesus Christ. And sprinkling by His blood. And then he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. People who haven't met Jesus Christ personally can't understand what grace and peace is about. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. It's understanding that God in all of His glory and all of His holiness loves you. And He wants to forgive you. And He wants to be connected. There's hope in that, in that grace. And, and the result of that is a peace that comes in all the conflict Not only with God, but with each other and and with the struggle. There's a peace that's available. All that connects to hope. And and you know, I thought about this as I thought about the book of 1 Peter. This is the kind of book to people who are going through extreme persecution. And when we think about persecution, um, we think about a financial issue. We think about a relationship issue. We think about a health issue. I mean, I understand all of that. But... Really, we don't understand 
what it is to be really persecuted where you're worried about hiding that someone may chop your head off. And we're seeing examples of this. Christians who are literally losing their lives because they love Christ. Because their hope is not here. They're strangers in this world. And they're under attack. And and you know what? We, We say, well, that couldn't happen here. It could. I'm not trying to give a timetable or an exact date, but I believe that the book of 1 Peter is a precious book for those who are undergoing that kind of persecution. And we're going to look at it today, and as Peter's talking to these Christians who are scattered simply because they love Jesus, and their lives are in danger, and he provides six benefits of hope that are available, and that's what we want to look at. And so in verse 3 here, the first one is revealed. He starts out talking of, to God. It's praise. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. You know what Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's this new birth, that that we need to be made new people, that there is this encounter with a living God, where there is a term, it's in the scripture called reconciliation, where you've got two parties that were at one time against each other, but there's now a peace, they've been brought together, there's a wholeness where once there was fracture, and, and that comes through new birth, and it comes into a living hope. You see, often we we talk about the crucifixion and we talk about the resurrection. But to me, it's really like a coin and two sides of a coin. You have the crucifixion that talks about the perfect sacrifice of Jesus and how he died for each of us on the cross and paid in full the penalty that we deserve, our, our sins. He paid in full for our sins. But the evidence that that was completed, the evidence that it's more than just death, is that he's alive. We're talking about the resurrection. That He is the living hope. We're not talking about some philosophy. We're not talking about some kind of practice, ritual, that you do week after week and and day after day. We're talking about a person who was in a grave and now he's alive. It's a living, resurrected hope. And guys, that is what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what He has provided. It says in 1 Corinthians 1, But the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. In other words, the world looks at us and says, Those guys are a little baddie. <laughs> For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are But to those of us who are being saved, this is 1 Corinthians 1.18, it's the power of God. The very power of God. So we have a living hope. Secondly, second benefit, we have a permanent inheritance. I love this in verse 4. He says, "In into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And it's kept in heaven for you. To perish means it is going to die. Man, we know all about that. Nothing lasts forever. Tears up. Have to buy new stuff. Or it fades. 
I got some clothes in the closet. They faded enough where they need to go, but I just hadn't got rid of them. Stuff fades. And, and then it, it expires. Or as it says in the text here, it spoils. If you've ever had that terrible experience, I have, of not carefully checking the expiration dates in the refrigerator and maybe pouring you some milk and taking a sip and it's curdled and I know it's a terrible example. Ugh. What happens? It, it's spoiled. But he says here, the inheritance that waits for us, none of that can happen to our inheritance. It, it's not going to perish. There's not a, a time limit on, on heaven is one day not going to be there. You know, we talk about one day there won't be any social security. Well, let me tell you, there will always be heaven. Because Jesus' work is permanent. It's a permanent inheritance. And it's not going to spoil. And it's not going to fade. Each day, as it says in that hymn, will be sweeter than the day before. With Christ. That's the kind of inheritance that is awaiting us in Christ. And you think about those people who literally have seen other believers executed because of Christ. I heard one the other day where a lady, as they were getting ready to execute her, and she had a rosary. And she was going through the rosary, and they were trying to get her to deny Christ. And the last word she yelled was, Jesus! As they chopped her head off. She understood, there is an inheritance kept in heaven for me, and no matter what happens, I'm going to be with Jesus. And I'm going to be in heaven. And we can say that whatever we face because we're not guaranteed anything. I mean, the truth of the matter is we don't know when it's time to go home. And we'll go home. Either he's coming for us, the second coming, or we're going to him. But one way or the other, we're going to be in his presence. And we have to be ready for that. We have to be ready for that. Third, we can rejoice because we have divine protection. Look at verse... Five there, he says, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. We are shielded by God. We don't have to walk around constantly living in fear and full of anxiety. What's going to happen next? Hey, look, I've been there. I get it. I understand. But God says that that is not the way we have to live. We're shielded by God's power. Man, what a thought. What a, what a comfort that God knows what you're going through. And He has promised to offer His protection according to His plan. We can trust Him and we can rest in Him. I love that James Dobson saying we can trust Him even though we can't trace Him. It's true. I, I heard a, a story uh, uh, with podcast, and it was on, uh, I believe it was Focus on the Family. Sometimes I get mixed up with Focus on the Family and Family Life. They're real similar, but they're both with family stuff. And there was this lady, and she was talking about parenting. There were two things I remember from the podcast. One thing was she talked about the importance of showing affection. To your children. And she said. Remember when the kids were young. There were four kids. And said they would play this game. Called red light green light. But it's probably not like the red light green light. You know. Said when they would stop. And it was a red light. 
They said it would be kissy kissy time. And she said her and her husband would smack it on. <laughs> and and so uh, the host said, well, how long do you kiss? She said, well, it depends on how tired we are. Do you ever make it through the light? Well, sometimes. And, of course, the kids, once they got older, it was like, yuck, that's just gross. So what was the point? We love each other. It's a show of affection, a sign of affection. I started to say infection, but you mean affection, affection. Thank you, Lord, for sparing me that one. Then I messed it up. Okay. And, And the second thing I remember was she talked about one time going to a water park in Texas. And it was the 4th of July, and she said there were people everywhere. And she stopped, and you start counting kids. One, two, three. I have four. And she looked, and her four-year-old was missing. And she became terrified as she looked around. And then she remembered that her four-year-old had noticed not far away um, one of those where you get on an inner tube and you float through the park. And, And she said, that's where she's gone. And so she said that she fought her way through the line and she got in the water and she began frantically, you know, trying to go through there looking for her little girl. And uh, she said she got to the end of it and she was so upset because she hadn't found her. And, and then she didn't realize it, but her family, had they, they were behind her falling along and she was so caught up in trying to find her little girl. She didn't know they were there. And her uh, teenage daughter had said, Mom, look over there. And there she was. And, and she was with this elderly lady. And she explained. She said, I'd always um, told her. I said, if you get lost, find a grandmother. F- find a grandmother and get that grandmother to help you. And, and she said, so there she was with a grandmother. And, and, and they were together. She went over and said, oh, honey, I was so worried about you. Well, I found me a grandmother, mommy. You know. and, and, and she thanked her. And, and, and everything was great. So she grabbed her. She hugged her. And, 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 and the family was there, and they were celebrating. And she wanted to introduce her family to this dear lady. And, and when she turned back after their celebration, say something, she was gone. Well, she said she didn't think anything about it. But later on, she talked to her daughter. And she said, well, can you tell me about what happened? And she said, well, Mommy, she said, it was hard for me. She said, I, I didn't know what to do. And she said, a grandma came out of nowhere. And she grabbed me, and she put me on her tube. And she said, we floated together. And she asked me, she said, honey, what is your name? And I said, my name is Grace. And she said, oh, honey, what a beautiful name. And it's so appropriate because God's grace is with you today. And this lady said, you know, I believe she was an angel. I believe it was God's protection. She took care of my little girl. We are shielded by God's power until that time we're with Him in eternity. What what a benefit, what a blessing that we can count on. Uh, Next one, developing faith. Uh, Look at verses 6 and 7 of our text. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, all kinds. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. A couple of truths here as we think about a developing faith. Uh, First, they humble us. You don't go through a trial 
and hurts and stay arrogant. It humbles you. It empties you. Proverbs 16.5 in the modern English version says, Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not be unpunished. But the thing is, when you go through a trial and you're, you're, you're broken, it gives God an opportunity to fill up the hole in your heart. It humbles you. Second point, they're not easy. Be very careful about belittling someone else's trial. Don't say, well, he lost a child. Well, I lost three. You don't measure that kind of pain. Realize that's an extreme example. But we should never try to measure the pain of another person. And a matter of fact, as powerful as Scripture is, as powerful as singing songs of praise to Him, that's not to be forced. If someone's open to that, use that to comfort. But I've found a lot of times, just hug them. Or just, just let them know you're there. I, I remember years ago, a friend of mine, and I'd go to this pastor's conference, about a dozen of us, and he had liver cancer. And he was one of these guys, there were three or four times he was supposed to have died. And he kept coming back, you know. And great, had a great sense of humor. And uh, I, I remember we had a meeting, there were a dozen of us in there. He said, guys, I'm, I'm just depressed. I go, I'm down. And, uh, you know, preachers, we, guys, as a whole, we have to fix everything. So, you know, went around the room and we had all these scriptures and people were sharing and we all wanted to help, right? And it, it came around to me and I looked at the guy, David Hyde was his name. I said, David, We got done with a meeting. I'll never forget. David came up to me. He whispered to my ear. He said, you're the only one who said anything that made any sense today. Why? Because when the pain's so deep, we don't, we're not looking to be fixed. We're looking to be loved. A third, trials are varied. Notice as it says here in the text, uh, trials of all kinds, all kinds of trials. And, and then in chapter 4, verse 10, is the other use of this word in the letter to First Peter. And it says, each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. And so the picture here is, it means many colored. You have many colored, uh, various uh, manifold, depending on translation, types of trials. You also have many fold, various, many colored Types of grace. In other words, for the, every trial, there is a specific grace that God provides for us to face that trial and to make it through that trial and, and, and to find what we need. There's both that God gives, that God provides in those trials. Fourth, trials are revealing. Um, the word trial, trial, temptation, test, many times used interchangeably. There's really not the idea that it's evil or that it's good. It's it's really a word that depends on what happens through the trial test temptation. How it's handled. Which determines whether evil comes out of it or good comes out of it. As the old saying goes, we can become bitter or we can become better. We can be pushed closer to God or we can move further away from Him. But there is that opportunity 
through the suffering and through the struggle to come close to God. Um, I heard another podcast, and, and I think it was the other one, whether it was Focus on the Family or Family Life Today. One, you know. But anyway, uh, there was this lady, and she worked for Campus Crusade for Christ, which I didn't know it, but they changed the name of Campus Crusade to Christ to Crew. Those of you guys who are on top of stuff, so now it's called Crew. But anyway, she works with Asian Americans in a university, and she ended up with breast cancer. Anyway, she was telling her story, and uh, she said it was terrible. She came home when she found out she had this really aggressive type of breast cancer, and, and she wept, and she cried, and she talked to God, and she said, God, I'm hurting, and I don't want, I don't want to start complaining, but I just need somebody to call me, Lord. I know you love me, but... Can you please have somebody call me? A good friend, somebody to encourage me, somebody to to just to let me know I'm loved. And she said she sat there for three or four hours. Nobody called. God, what's wrong? Have you abandoned me? Is it really too hard for you to have the phone ring somebody to call? Finally, after about four hours, she gets a call. Here's the thing. It wasn't from a good friend. It was from a critic. Somebody that she really, to be honest with you, didn't like. She thought, God, why her? Why is she calling? Oh, she's going to complain about something. She said, I just felt compelled to call you today. I don't know what's going on. But I want to pray for you. Can I pray for you? And she said she did. She prayed for him. And then she got off the phone. She cried. Why? Because she thought, the last person I want to hear from is the person you use to love me through this trial. Many types of trials, but there's many types of grace. Fifth, uh, we can rejoice because we have an unseen Savior. Verses 8, it's a beautiful verse. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. You know, it's we really give Thomas, the disciple, a hard time. Doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas. You know, Lord, unless I see the actual places where the nails were thrust into your body, I, I won't believe. And I love it in the scripture because Jesus appears to Thomas. All the other disciples were there. Thomas missed it. Now he's before the Lord. And, and, and Jesus invites him. Thomas, here I am. Thomas, here I am. And what I love is he doesn't go over there and he, he doesn't put his fingers in the side. He, he doesn't, you know, t- touch the wounds. He, he just sees him and he falls to his knees and he says, my Lord and my God. None of this need to go beyond just seeing the Lord and just hearing His voice because there He was in His presence. And then Jesus went on to say, Hey, blessed, more blessed are those who believe that do not see. And guys, that's where we are. We're we're a people that, that are blessed because we believe, although it's not just with our five senses, it's not just with our eyes, 
We believe because of what Jesus has done in our lives and in the work of the Spirit that's in our lives. And, and I love that verse 8. It's an inexpressible and glorious joy. And that, that's what these people experience in the midst of being chased all over the place and, and there's no peace. And, and, and there had to be times where they, they felt like it was just a matter of time before they were caught and, and hurt or, or killed. But they had hope that was beyond that they had a hope. Last one. We have a guaranteed deliverance. Look at verse 9. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What a great verse. You know, if we think about salvation in, in the Greek, it, it literally means You've been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. And so there's that beautiful picture of my sins have been forgiven. And as I continue to struggle now, I'm being forgiven. God's grace is constantly available and His presence is is there and the salvation's with me through Christ, that forgiveness. And then one day... I'll be in His presence and then this struggle will be over and and the salvation will be complete for all of eternity. You're receiving that. He's saying to these people as as they struggle in the midst of that, you're receiving that goal that you're that you're so desperately longing for, the very salvation. Then he goes on through verses 10 through 12 and he starts talking about that salvation and the prophets. And it's interesting here because... He says, um, they spoke of the grace that was to come, but they didn't know the whole picture. See, we have the blessing of being able to look back. and We know the gospel. We know the message of Christ. We, we know who Jesus is and how he died and that he rose from the grave. They didn't know all that. They were called of God and they followed God. And it says that they searched intently and with the greatest care. Man, they would think, God, what is this? Show me God. And they would pray. And they would say, God, I, I want to know what your salvation's about. What you're doing with the coming Messiah. He says they were trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them, that Spirit in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. He, he cannot totally see it. Why? It, it says, verse 12, it was revealed to them they were not serving themselves but you. But they were servants. God had a plan. It was not just merely for them to understand so that there would be an understanding that was presented for other people. And that's our call, all of us. It's for us, but it's not just for us. The message of Jesus is not just for us. It's to us, but it's also to move through us. And that provides hope. It's not a hope for one. It's a hope for all that Christ makes available and the spirit of God would come upon them but they did not have the spirit of God making his home in the heart like we do what a blessing we have we see that now because God's spirit reveals to us his truth his word gives us understanding in that day um, that was not the case as God would speak as he would reveal it's always interested me that last part of verse 12 He says, even angels 
long to look into these things. We think about how majestic angels are. And I always read, you know, as, as, a, as a boy, you think warriors, you know, man, fighting, all that, ninjas, you know, all that stuff. And then you read about in Isaiah where one angel wiped out thousands. And you think about Jesus on that cross. All he had to do was utter one word. And his enemies would have been perished in their life. But he was fulfilling a purpose. The angels couldn't have understood all that. Even angels longed to look into these things. They were curious. They were wondering, what is going on? What, 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 is, what is happening? What is Calvary about? What's the resurrection about? Um, Philip Yancey, in, his, in one of his books, The Jesus I Never Knew, I want to read a portion of this that he wrote. He said, A senior angel is showing a very young angel around the splendors of the universe. They view whirling galaxies, blazing suns, and they flit across the infinite distances of space until at last they enter one particular galaxy of 500 billion stars. As the two of them draw near to the star, which we call our sun, and to its circling planets, the senior angel pointed to a small and rather insignificant sphere turning very slowly on its axis. It looked as dull and dirty as a tennis ball that had been overused to the angel. The angel's mind was filled with the size and glory of what he had seen. I I want you to watch that one particularly, said the senior angel, pointing with his finger. "Mm, Looks very small and rather dirty to me, said the little angel. What's special about this planet? To the little angel, earth did not seem so impressive. He listened in stunned disbelief as the senior angel told him that this planet, small and insignificant and not overly clean, was the renowned visited planet. Do you mean our great and glorious prince went down in person to this fifth-rate little ball? Why should he do a thing like that? The little angel's face wrinkled in disgust. Do you mean to tell me that he stooped so low as to become one of those creeping crawling creatures of that floating ball? I do, and I don't think he would like you to call them creeping, crawling creatures in that tone of voice, young angel. (laughs) For strange as it may seem to us, he loves them. He went down to visit them to lift them up to become like him. The little angel looked blank. Such a thought was almost beyond his comfort. Angels are wondering. We are the recipients. Jesus is tenderly calling. That's what it's about. It's it's about that message. It's about that hope. We often get sidetracked in churches. And often my heart gets broken because we're mean to each other. And and I'm not just talking about in Kingsway. I'm just talking about we're... My heart gets broken sometimes on Facebook. I see some of the mean stuff Christians say to Christians. I don't want to be known for that. We need to be known for the gospel. For the hope. And there may come a day in this land that we call free. Where it may really cost us something to follow. Peter has told us precious words of hope, regardless of our trial, that we can cling to. Amazing.
Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Father, we need to follow your word. For you are the hope, Lord. There is no other. The things we think give us hope. Well, they're going to perish, spoil, or fade. But not you. There is an inheritance kept in heaven for us. And it's the work of Jesus. And it's available to all who come clean. Who honestly say, alright, I need to be forgiven. I need a new start. I need a new heart. And that comes when we take upon us a righteousness we don't deserve. A righteousness paid for on an old rugged cross. And made available. Father, if there is one here today who... Father, has heard about you, but not turned to you for that salvation, for that hope. No sweeter time than right now to do that. So I pray, Father, that that would occur right now if, if that is what is needed. Father, for those of us who have already made that decision by meeting you and turning to you, and Father, trusting in you and having that hope that lasts forever. Help us, Father, to think about that's what will last. And may our lives be rooted there. And may our, may our words flow out of that. And uh, I just pray about all that, God. It's important. And as we have an altar here to pray at, Father, um, may we, as you lead, come and pray at the altar as is needed. Just remind us there's hope. And uh, it's you. And I pray you do that work in this little body of believers called King's Way, that we might truly say we want the King's Way in our lives because we're the servants, the serfs, the peasants, but you're the King. So, Father, have your way in this time we call invitation. As we stand, as we sing, as we come, may it all be to give you the glory. In Christ's name we pray.